How's everybody doing today? It's good to see y'all today. The reason I'm sitting down is because my back is bothering me. I've been uh, that, driving that bus for so many years. I ain't going to talk about my weight or nothing, but I may attribute to it. But anyway, remind me, uh, just keep me in prayer today. Um, I want to talk to you today about, um, first I want to kind of take a pulse and how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing spiritually? How you doing? How you doing in your spiritual? I know, I know we're all on different levels. I know we're all going to certain things or whatever in our life. But, but really, how you doing? Do you think that you're growing? Do you think that you're growing spiritually? If you were to uh, run into somebody that you needed to witness to, do you think that you have the tools to take and the things to say in order to really get your point over about Christ? All right. That's really, really important because what you have to do is you have to, the Bible has to make sense to you. Okay. So you have to put together a bunch of scriptures that's going to match up because you're going to have some people who's going to challenge you and you can't just brush them off like they don't mean nothing just because you don't know the answers or you're too embarrassed or whatever the situation is. Um, if you don't, if you get asked a question, you don't know the answer to the question, just tell them, hey, let me, let me get back to you. Let me go do some research. And then, I'll, and then I'll get back to you, okay? So it is important that if you haven't started a, a notebook or starting a list on some subject, on a subject that you can put together. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at today. We're going to take a, just a short look at who God is and who his son is. And you're going to get challenged in your faith. You're going to run into some people who's going to challenge you uh, in your faith, and they're going to try to shake you off your pedestal and shake you from where you are. And if you're not, if you're not prepared, you're going to get rattled, you know. And that's okay. It should take you. If you do, it should take you back to dive into the Word and to dive. There's so much material you can go on. You can go on Google and ask Google almost any question, and those questions will come up. Somebody has entered in some kind of information. If you ask who God is, it'll come up with something. If you Google in is Jesus God, uh, there'll be a bunch of information come on. Almost anything that you you want to know, you can you can you can Google it. You, you've got the, the team here who is able to um, help you research some questions, help you discuss some things in order for you to uh, to be able to get your point across. God gave me a title when I was sitting over here last week. I don't know if it really matches up what I'm going to be saying today. Maybe in the end you, you'll be able to uh, come up with your own title. But what he have me talk about is don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. And many of us have been in fights before. And um, if you've been in a fight before and you let your guard down, most chances is you, you, you got smacked. You got hit. And when you got hit, a lot of times it was it was kind of a wake up call to you, you know. And then your mind start kind of tripping about uh, what the situation you was in. You might get kind of scared or whatever. It's the same in the spiritual realm. If you don't have your guard up, you're gonna get hit. And many times you're gonna get hit hard. And a lot of times it's not gonna feel good. So that's why the Bible talks about you having to put on your armor. You have to prepare yourself for battle because this is a battle. Okay, so if you've heard about warfare before, well, you're in it. Okay, you're in spiritual warfare, which comes out physical. So you have to really, 
really be prepared. Well, we're going to talk about that spiritual, a little bit of what the spiritual warfare, who God is. Anyway, I had a talk this weekend, this week, with a friend of mine um, who's, uh, who's left the faith to Christian and turned to be a Jehovah's Witness. And this week, we, um, we, the subject we talked about for a couple of days was the fact of, is Jesus God? It was uh, a, a pretty, it was a pretty heavy conversation, pretty confusing to some extent. But God was able to help me and help me to go back and do some research besides the things that I I, I knew. But anyway, I just want to kind of just begin to lay down a little foundation to you. Um, let's look at Isaiah forty four six, and I'm going. Some of these are going to be out of the NIV. So we're going to kind of we're going to set begin to set up. A foundation here. Okay. Isaiah 44 6 says this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Okay. So he's making that bold claim that there's only one God. If you go to Hebrews 1.8, if you go to Hebrews 1.8, God says, he says about the Son, this is God talking to a Son, about the Son, about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness Excuse me. Righteousness will be the will be the scepter of your kingdom. Will be the scepter of your kingdom. So here, God confirms to you that His Son, that Jesus Christ, He also is called God. So we, you, you basically know Jesus as the Son of God. But we're going to kind of take a look at God the Son as well as as well as um, the Son of God. Okay. Let's run over to um, Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15 starts out by saying that Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. And that he's the firstborn over all creation. Now, Jesus is called the firstborn. Now you're gonna you're gonna have some organization like the witnesses in them who wanna try to tell you that God that Jesus was created by God, okay? But if I meant to go back um, and look at in Hebrews one eight, he talked about the fact is that he talked about Jesus that no that no that there's only that there's no angel that he calls son. Okay? There's not one angel that he calls son. But if you talk to some witnesses, they'll try to tell you, they're going to try to convince you that Jesus is Michael the archangel. But Jesus is not Michael the archangel. Because God confirmed it by telling you that there's no angel that he calls son. Okay? That he calls son. So, in Colossians 1.15... It talks about Jesus being the firstborn. And uh, when I began to think about this yesterday, the firstborn child, now, God brought in the firstborn son. He brought in a son. And basically, because in, in Jewish, in the Jewish culture, the son 
is the one, in case something happens to the father, the firstborn is the one who inherits everything, who takes control of everything. So Jesus Christ, who God planted a, a seed into the body of Mary, a virgin. Okay. So Jesus is called the firstborn, not because God created him and made him, made him this, this son, this created being, but Jesus actually is apart from God, a, a part of God, which he put into Mary. So really, you're really looking at God himself. But God himself manifested himself in three ways, in three persons, okay? Because if you look at Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in a second, we're going to begin to see that God did not create this earth alone, but that Jesus was a part of the creation as well. Okay. So, Jesus being the firstborn was really, really interesting because Jesus is the first person, first one born, who came out of heaven, who came to earth. Okay. He's the first one of his kind to do that, and he, there'll be no one else who ever will come in that fashion. Jesus Christ is the firstborn because he came out of heaven, he came to earth, there's no one else ever been born in that fashion before, and there never will be ever again. Are we clear with that? Another thing about Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ is the first one ever to die and to rise again. But let me clear this up. Now, many of you know that many people have... Uh, were dead and like Lazarus who died and Jesus brought them back to life. Amen. Okay. But the problem with them with Lazarus is Lazarus died again. Yes. Yes. The thing about Jesus Christ is is that he's going to be the first he's the first one to ever yes. die rise but he will never die again. Yes. Okay. Yes. He is the firstborn yes. To ever do that, there'll be no one, which will make which makes him the Alpha and Omega, which he's the first one and he's the last one. Is that clear? So Jesus Christ is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. Okay, now you can find that in Revelations twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, Jesus also takes the claim of that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the first and he's the last, which echoes the same thing that his father echoed back in Isaiah 44, 6. He's the first and he's the last. If you look at John 1, 1, it says that in the beginning, God created. No, I'm sorry. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the word was God. But one day, if you talk to a Jehovah Witness and this scripture comes up, the way they got it written in their Bible right now, they rewrote their Bible, they call him a God, which is a small which is a small G God, which doesn't exist because it would put him right on the same level, let's say, as Satan. Satan is called the God of this world. First Corinthians four four. He's called the God of this world. With a small g. And they put another small g, but if you really look in the Greek, 
everything is, is all capitalized. So Jesus is the word. So if we jump back to Genesis 1-1, when he made the world, um, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, well, that word that he spoke came forth. I consider that to be Jesus Christ. Okay. In a minute, we're going to see how that is. Um, getting back to the firstborn, which is really interesting that I saw, is that not only is the, Jesus the firstborn to his father, the firstborn to die, to never die again, the first firstborn to ever come from heaven to earth, but he's also Mary's firstborn. Mary, the mother of Jesus, that was her firstborn. So I thought that was really, really interesting when I came across that, that all these areas. So if you can remember that when you talk to somebody who's trying to convince you that uh, Jesus is not God, then you can bring up this thing about that. They're going to really try to convince you about this firstborn situation here in, in, in um, Colossians 1. Okay, so let's go to Colossians 1.16. Okay, Colossians 1.16 says this, For by him all things were created. So by Jesus Christ all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus created everything visible and invisible. He created thrones. He created powers. And he created rulers and authorities. It says that all things were created by him. So Jesus, along with his father, created everything visible and invisible. He created the world, everything in the world. He created powers and everything we see. Verse 17 says that he is before all things, which puts him right at the beginning. If you look at Psalms 41, I believe it is, I believe it's Psalms 41, she talks about uh, the God came from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus was right there with him when he when he came through when when everything first started. Jesus didn't come actually becomes God's son until actually he was born, and that's the time that you actually hear about the about him being the son and being being God. There was a prophecy in Isaiah nine six, and it talked about how God. How Jesus it was a prophecy about the coming of Jesus, about who he, about who he was. Here it calls him. One of the attributes it calls him in there is the everlasting Father. Now, if he's an everlasting Father, it's interesting how he kind of shares the same title as his Father. Now, he's also called Mighty God. He's called Mighty God. The God, I believe, of Genesis is, uh, if you looked at it in the Hebrew, I believe, is Elohim. If you uh, research Strong's and press um, God, Mighty God, up in Isaiah, it'll call him El. Now, there was always another, I didn't really go too far in this one, where it calls E-L. El calls him El. But what it did was that people always, it was um, these Hebrew words that was attached to El that made God who he was. Whether he's the God of heaven, the God of goodness, uh, blessed God, there was always something attached to that. So, um, so God is not, Jesus is not a little g as you will sometimes that you're going to end up finding out. But how would they use a little g in one area and then use a big g in, in the other area? So you need to really, uh, um, 
take a really good look at the comparison. Now, it's kind of baffling, really, how God really took, he can do whatever he wants to do. Because he comes in, in many, many different forms. If you look at 1 Corinthians um, 10, I believe 3, um, Jesus was the rock in the desert, the father around the Israelites. So how do you get water out of a rock is, is something God had to put him together himself. But Moses, and oh, they were thirsty out there, uh, and actually in Exodus, I believe it's Exodus 33, we talked about um, they were thirsty, and, and, and Moses was just supposed to speak to this rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock, and the water was supposed to bring forth water. If you look right after that, Moses gets angry, and he takes it, and he takes his staff, which was God, and he strikes the rock twice. Now, he wasn't supposed to do that. And when I look at that, it kind of reminds me that he was striking Christ, actually, because that rock gave water, and that rock actually represented Christ in the wilderness. Okay. So it shows you that Christ's existence in the Old That's one, one area that shows you Christ's existence in the Old Testament. Okay. Is this, is this making any sense to you? Okay. Um, in Christ, it talks about Christ being, being the fullness of, of God. Now, if we look at, um, let's take a look at um, John 14. If you look here, let's see, John 14, John 14, we look here, let's see, look at 6, look at 9. Um, we looked at, a question was asked, let's look at verse 9, 14.9. And it says, 14.9 says, um, well, let's go, up to, let's go up to verse 8. Verse 8 starts out, 14.8 starts out, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus replied to him was, uh, Jesus answered said, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just of my own, but rather it's from the Father who's living in me, who is doing the work. So there's this relationship with God and his, and his son, Jesus Christ, that he was in the Father, the Father was in me, which made them one. Okay. Um, if you look at John 10.30, I believe it is, it, Jesus says something he says, 10 verse 30 says this. It says, I and the Father are one. One in nature, one essence. They're on one accord. So you can't pull one from the other. Okay? If we look at um, verses John, let's go to John 10. We look at like a situation that happened. Listen to this. In John 10, let's, take, let's start at... Um, Oh, I was just there. Okay. John 10, 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Verse 31 says, and again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, Why ha um, well, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. So for which of these do you stone me? 
And they said, well, we're not stoning you for any of these reasons, replied the Jews. But we're going to stone you because of blasphemy. Who are you? Because you are mere man claimed to be God. So they understood by what Jesus was saying that this, this relationship with him, so much so that the Jews wanted to kill him. Which I think was very, very significant. Okay. We have another situation in John 8:58, where they wanted to stone him again. 58, he says, Jesus says to you. Okay, let's go back to 57. 57 says, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And yet you have seen Abraham? <laughs> and Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, I am was, was what, what God used back during the time of Egypt. Okay, when, when, when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, Moses said, Lord, who are we to tell Pharaoh that you are? God told him to tell him that I am that I am. Okay, meaning that God could be whatever and whoever he wants to be. He can come in any form, any shape, who he wants to be. So he says that I am. They understood that the fact he said that I am. Now, people are going to argue with you. You're going to find some people that you're going to talk to who's going to argue with you over this statement calling himself I am. But because he said this, says, um, 59 says, at this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself. Slipping away from the temple, you know. So there was this ongoing thing between the Jews and Jesus Christ this whole time. And, um, and I thought it was, was very, very interesting. So if we looked at um, John 1, 2, and 3, we, look, we see that Jesus, after it says that Jesus is the Word, and he was that he was in the beginning, it says, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. So if somebody tries to tell you that God created Jesus, they're wrong. Right? Because Jesus was with the Father already. He's the one who created everything visible and invisible. And so he created the heavens. He created the earth. He created everything. He didn't create himself. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, that will be a great part of your argument right there is uh, when you come against people who try to say that Jesus is not God. Now, there's a respectful area in here that we're, we'll talk about. Another area one, I want to just mention was that I can't say this without saying 114, John 114 says, And the Word, which was God, it became flesh and dwelt among us, which is such a powerful statement about the Word of God. The spoken word of God. Now, there's three forms of the word. There's a written word that we have here, which is the Bible. We have the spoken word that comes out of the mouth of God. And we have Jesus Christ, who is considered to be the living word. Okay. So there's three forms of this word. The Greek word that you'll hear concerning the word is called logos. Jesus is the logos. Okay, so he's all three forms of the word. He was the living word, he's the spoken word, and he is the written word. If you look in Isaiah 55, between 6 and 11 in there, it, 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 God will tell you that um, everything that comes out of his mouth is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. 
There's nothing that's going to come out of his mouth that is not that's going to come back to him void. Okay. So whatever he says is going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay. So that whatever you're going through in your life, you've got to rely on the word. It just even when when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Okay. When he came up out of the water, you, the heavens opened up and, and God said, this is my son, whom I'm very pleased with. Now, the Holy Spirit came out of heaven in the form of a dove and came to the earth and, and, and rested upon on him. And then right after that is when Jesus began to start his ministry. Now, Jesus must have been a heavy duty dude because at 12 years old, uh, when it was a custom for the Jews to go to the um, to go into Jerusalem, well, when they left, they couldn't. Uh, Joseph and Mary couldn't find couldn't find Jesus. So, so for a few days, they they went back and they went to look for him. When they found that he wasn't around his relatives and their friends, and where did they find Jesus at? In the temple at 12 years old, discussing matters and asking questions. So much so that they had those bewildered with him at 12 years old. He understood at 12 years old who he was and what his mission was and why he came. He knew the reason then. So I, I can imagine um, his mother Mary. Now, the Holy Spirit had already come, come to him and told her exactly what was going to happen to her concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. Okay. Which, which really, really baffled her, even so much so that Joseph, who was pledged to be married to, was going to divorce her. So divine help had to come out of heaven in a dream. Tell Joseph, Joseph, this is from me. Go ahead and take care of this child. It's from me. Okay. And he was obedient, and he did that. Okay. So I can imagine what Mary must have seen in Jesus. Now, there's not a whole lot of stuff that talks about Jesus between the time of his birth and the time of when he began to start his ministry at 33 years old. But I imagine that his mother must have seen some things through him during this time because uh, when Jesus was getting ready to do his first miracle, now, his first miracle was, Jesus' first miracle was he turned the water into wine. Okay. So, um, when, when the time came when they ran out of wine, Jesus, Mary began to talk to Jesus about, Jesus, you know, they have no wine, you know, uh, which was a big thing then because, you know, they didn't want to serve the embarrassment for the ones who were giving it. You know, and Jesus was like, you know, like, what's this got to do with me? You know, and so... Um, Mary told the servants, whatever he says, do it. She knew. She knew what he was all about. Okay? So um, he, they brought him the jugs, and I believe each jug was about, could hold about 30 gallons, about six of them. He brought them and filled them up with water. When they dipped it out, took it to the king, um, the king said, hmm, this is good stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> He said, yeah, he said, most, most of the time they bring out, you know, bring out the, you know, the, what is the rock gut first and then bring out the, or vice versa. But he said, hey, but you know, you didn't, you didn't brought out the best now. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and marrying them and the servants knew what had happened. They knew that they came and they poured water into them jugs, but, and that Jesus, when they dipped it out, came out being the best wine around. I thought that was, uh, just that, been, that was his first miracle. Don't forget, that was Jesus' first miracle. We continue to look down. Jesus was the rock. Okay. If my mind seems a little bit big at the moment, my head seems a little big at the moment, it's because 
Don't be laughing, Carlos. The other night, everybody who's in the Petaluma area, I, I want to encourage you, if you want to grow, get down here to Wednesday night if you're down here and get into these Bible studies that Brother Marcus is giving. If you are pregnant and you think about having a child, do not name your child Ahab or Jezebel. Come to that meeting or you read it for yourself and find out names mean something. You do not want your child associated with Ahab or Jezebel. Please, nobody in the front. God bless. Anyway, we talked about three forms of the word. Let's talk about, um, there's, a, there's another area where, there's a verse that talks about in Exodus 33 which says that uh, God says that no man can see him, see his face and live. And when I begin to think about this, this statement here, that nobody can see his, his face and live, people are going to argue with you on the statement about nobody has ever seen God. Now, there's some statements concerning that. But if you look at that, uh, if you look at Exodus 20:14, we see that Moses and Aaron and 70 of the elders had a chance to go up on the mountain, and they had a chance to see God. Now, if God says that nobody could see His face and live, but yet they were able to go up and see God up on this mountain, then it just goes to show you that God just appeared in a form that they were able to visualize Him in. That just shows you here again that he is the great I am, that he can be whatever he wants to be. And he was merciful to the ones who went up on the mountain to see him. And he did not strike them dead. Though he, you can't come and just come up in the presence of God. Yeah, because when the priests did that, they weren't right and they went into the offer sacrifices in the tomb. That's why they tied a rope around them when they went in. Because if they didn't come out in a certain amount of time, most chances is they pulled them into pulling their bodies out of there. Because you just can't come to God in any kind of way. Okay. Cannot come to God any old kind. They could not just come to him. God was some kind of character back in during that time because um and, and, and the thing about why God is so merciful with us now, I believe, is because Jesus is the buffer, the mediator before us that says, Father, Dad, 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 give give him another chance, Dad. Give give give, give him a break. Give, give him another chance, give him a break. So Jesus is the mediator. Um, if you think about, if you go back and think about some of the movies that come along, I don't know what to think about, but The, the Godfather uh, with the Corleone family, if you've ever seen that movie, you couldn't just, just come up and just have a meeting with him. You couldn't just come up in his office and just see him. You might come and be coming in to hurt him, to harm or whatever, but you had to go through a mediator first in order to gain audience. It's the same with Jesus Christ. When you begin to take any request, anything that you have, Jesus says that you got to come through him first. In order to father, you got to go through the son. Okay. He is the mediator to the father. Okay. Once again, it's coming to me is that the Bible says here again that you have not because you ask not. Okay. Many of you in here are in need of something from God. Okay. Um, Certain things you can't do on your own. And you have to ask, God already has what you need and always ha- already has the answer for you. Okay. But the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And then, you, then it tells you that you ask, many times you ask them something, but you ask them with the wrong motives. Okay. But you can't fool God. 
You can't fool him. He, 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 man can look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And you can find him some. Okay. So he can see, he can see exactly what's in your heart. Okay. Just like the man who stood up, uh, who was on the cross, um, when Jesus was being crucified. Okay. With the two thieves. There was a moment there where one of the thieves said to the Lord, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And he could see and knew in his heart who he was and acknowledge, well, you know what? I see your heart. And he, he truly, he truly repented. And because he truly repented, even at the last hour, he was able to get into the kingdom. So we need to remember that, like my dad would always say that, don't be trying to, you know, come in and just try to slide in at the last minute. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just try to wait to the last minute. But the good time, the Lord says, whenever you, if you hear my voice, harden not, hard not your heart. Meaning that even if you don't have it all together, but, but begin to, but begin to get yourself together, begin to, to make a way, explain to him exactly what you're going through because he's sitting right there looking at you. He's seeing everything you do. As a matter of fact, he knew what you were going to do before you even did it. He knows what you have in your heart, what you want to do. You know, and he sees the battle that you're going through. Okay? He sees the struggle that you're going through, but he's there to help you. He's there to help you to get through this area. Many chances is we've learned that we can't get through this by ourselves. But we need a power that's greater than we are. And what's, what's, what's more greater than our creator? Nothing and no one. There is nothing and no one greater. Every time we try to do it our own way, we fail. We fail. Because it's, 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 not, it's not designed for us to do alone. This thing is not designed to do for us by ourselves. Okay? But we need one that's greater than we are in order to help us to get through. And um, so I want you to remember that. Um, Christ is the rock in the desert. Moses and them was allowed to see, to, to see God, who he was. Uh, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. God is the Alpha and Omega. Um, God, let me just say this before we get out of here. He was the perfect sacrifice to buy the world back to us. There was no angel. During this time in heaven, there was angels and there was God. So there was no angel. He didn't ask any angel to, to be the one to come down and, and to, to be the sacrifice for the world. But there was only one pure sacrifice in the whole universe. And that was God himself. There was, he was unblemished. There was, he was pure. We can't even fathom this pureness who, who God, God really is. This, this ball of energy that, you know, that when Moses wanted to see him, Lord, he says, just, I just want to see your glory. Okay, Moses, but you can't see my face and live. So you can't see the pure essence of God's face and, and live. There's no way that you can. It's got to be tempered in some way. So he said, well, you know what I'm going to do for you, Moses? I'm going to let you, I'm going to grant this request to you. And I'm going to let you hide over here in the cleft of the rock. I'm, um, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to cover you with my hand. And as I pass by, I'll let you see my back. You know, and for him just to see his back, the all. That Moses must have felt and what he must have seen. I mean, that was his back. Okay. So, in the end time, you're going to, when, when we pass through this life, God has a, a body for you. 
okay, that you're going to take on. Because flesh and blood can't enter into heaven. Okay? You can find that in First Colossians in the 15th chapter. Our flesh and blood cannot be in the presence of God in his purest form. We'll burn up. We'll be consumed by him. We, uh, we can't take it. But there's going to be a time when, when Jesus comes back that we're going to be changed, and we're going to be changed in the, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay, those are, is, this thing what he's got for us is so awesome. Okay, uh, if, you could, if you could just get a glimpse of what is in store for us, it's nothing, your glimpse can't even do you any justice. Okay? You, you can use your imagination to the best of your ability. But what God has for us is so often, and, and I want to see it and I want it. I want what's mine. Amen. I want what he has to offer me. And I'm telling you, you want to do the same thing. You really want what you have. But the enemy is going to try to prevent you from getting your reward. He's going to do all you can. That's why you got to sharpen up your sword. Put on your shield. Put on your helmet. Put on your feet protection. Why? Because you're going into battle. But one day you're going to be able to take that armor off. You're not going to need it. Okay? All the craziness we're seeing in the world right now, God is still in control. But I I, I talked to him about it too. Because I said, Lord, you got to do something about this. You know, when, when, not long ago when that young man was shooting up, killing those officers. Police officers, Lord, you got to do. Something. I'm joining with. I'm joining with the people's praying right now. Lord, you got to do something about this. It wasn't long after that this man was cornered and he was caught. I'm sorry for the judgment that he decided to take things. He took matters into his own hand. What he did, he crossed the line. He crossed the line, which ended up getting himself in a, in a lot of a lot of trouble. And, and, and you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Okay, that's a fact. Um. You think about that, and you also think about the fact is that you reap what you sow. So when all this stuff is going on, it's some crazy, crazy stuff going on in this world right now. It's a lot of stuff going on around us. It's things going on around. It's, it's happening. All this, it's chaos all around this world. But but God, you know, God still buffers it. You know, not time yet. But he but he still has these things in place. His vengeance is mine. I'm gonna repay. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes our first, you know, um, reaction is something is, is is to do something ourselves about it. There are certain things we can do, but God basically wants us to take care of it. So you know, so He's He's, he's protecting us when he, when we do that, because sometimes in our anger when we open that door, enemy comes in when you're mad, or when you're angry, he blanks out your vision where you can't see. Okay, you, you, all of a sudden you don't realize what you're doing, and when then you all of a sudden you you go overboard and you do something that you shouldn't have done. Okay, and then once then once it's all said and done, and they gone, then all of a sudden you see exactly what you didn't really did. All right? Now here you got to pay the penalty for, for something you did because you, cause you weren't careful during this time. Now, I know the anger is a, anger's a part of us, and, you, you know, whatever, and this is a part of, but, it, you know, but it's somehow or another, we, God wants us to be self-controlled. Okay? He wants us to act with self-control. There's certain things he he said. Let me handle this. Let me let me let me deal with this. Okay. If he deals with it, then it's gonna then it's gonna come out in your favor. Okay. It's gonna come out. Things are gonna come out in your favor or whatever. So, I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me cut it right there.